Father, God, just so thankful, this blessed assurance we have in you, Jesus. Uh, God, I'm so excited as we get to look into your word today, Father. Um, I ask that your glory for, for everything you are, Jesus, that you speak to us this morning. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, as you guys see, you can say what's up to someone next to you. Give them a fist bump. Tell them about how excited you are that LeBron James is on the Lakers. We can celebrate it together. It's okay. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I get the honor of serving in our youth ministry. Um, I've been here just over a year now, and it's been super awesome. I love it. It's really um, nothing. I don't think there's really anything else I'd rather do than um, get to invest in teenagers. It's fun hanging out with teenagers. It's just, um, I love it. I love it so much. Um, and I love these opportunities that I get to come up here and speak with you guys. Um, I really do. It's such an honor to get a chance to um, just share with what God's put on my heart with you guys. And if you haven't been with us this summer, we've been going through the book of John. Um, and we are on chapter 13 today. So if you want to get super ahead and you're super awesome, and you brought your Bible, you can turn to chapter 13. Um, <clears throat> if you haven't been with us, don't feel like you're coming to the party late at all. Um, you have come at just the perfect week because at this point in chapter 13, the story's going to start getting really good. You know, like when you start watching a movie and things start hitting, you know, the really intense parts. It's where we're getting at here in chapter 13. So um, perfect time there you're here. But anyways, what we're going to be looking at today can pretty much all, everything stems out of this first verse in chapter 13, in which it says this. If you guys have it open, um, read this with me. It says, it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them, read that and read with me, the full extent of his love. And we're going to learn something um, so amazing here today. And we're going to be talking about how the depth of Jesus' heart goes so much deeper than maybe we think. Um, so let me, let me ask you guys a question. Anyone, parents in here? You got any parents? Parent, okay. Yeah, mostly everyone. All right. Even if you're not a parent, you're wanting to be a parent, you're a kid, um, I think we can all agree that uh, it's, it's, you know, it's important to tell your kids you love them. But it's probably, it's more important to show them you love them. However, right, there, there is something crucially, like so huge and crucial about actually telling your kids you love them, right? Studies actually show that um, it, it, it's hugely um, significant to verbally tell your kids that you love them and allow them to hear it. Um, there's this video going around the internet right now. I don't know if you've seen it. Maybe you've seen it. Um, it's kind of one of those feeler videos, but uh, I want to show it to you guys, and I'll tell you why I'm showing it to you in a second. A what? I didn't say I love my dad. <laughs> Please, 
The kid, right, he needed to tell his dad he loved him, but he needed to also hear it back. And so why I show you guys that video is because for a lot of us, we come to church all the time, and we read about in Scripture about this Father in heaven who loves us. For, For a lot of us, that's as far as the impact actually goes in our life. We just know the Bible says something like that. Right, maybe you've been coming to church for a while now, and maybe you've been, at least you've been trying it out a couple times, but I don't know, maybe you just come because it makes your wife happy, makes your husband happy, mom happy, parents happy, and you always get a good lunch after. Sunday lunches are the best. So you come for at least for that. Um, maybe you do have a relationship with God, but maybe there are some struggles going on right now in your life, and some sin is going on, and slowly but surely that's been pulling you away from the love of God. And maybe, maybe this morning, I'm sure there's some of us in here this morning that maybe just need to be reminded and reaffirmed of where you stand with God. So just be reminded and reaffirmed of, hey, does God still love me? And you just need to hear that straight from God today of what he actually thinks about you. And what actually breaks my heart the most, and to be honest, where like most of this passion is coming from this morning and why I wanted to share this talk with you guys, there's actually people who aren't even in here this morning because they feel like they don't actually belong here. And I hear this all the time from from some of our students, is some of our students actually have friends who are either gay, um, who are drug, drug users, troublemakers, just had bad church experiences, and our students actually want to invite those friends, but those friends actually think they're not even allowed. Large has had some problems. Right? Past and present, there's no denying that. But I think if we're kind of to take like all the church's problems and kind of funnel it into one statement, I think it's this. I love Christians trying to serve with the love of Jesus without actually knowing the love of Jesus. And I think that's why sometimes we get overjudgmental Christians. It's why we get some Christians who come to church and are just like, me, 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 do everything for me. It's why we get hypocrite Christians who don't do anything as part of their problem. But here's what I'm here to tell you today, is that if we can actually begin to know the love of Jesus, I think we can then go and actually be the love of Jesus. But why, I mean, I mean, everyone's like, why should I care to want to go and be the love of Jesus? Life's going pretty good right now, not loving that much people, but life's going good. Why should I care to want to go and be the love of Jesus? And here, here's kind of the big question I think is important for all of us to ask ourselves. It's this, is what if, what if there is so much more to God's love than what we are experiencing? Right? What if there is something so much more out there for us and we're missing out on it? Right? No matter where you're at in your relationship with God, you've been following him your whole life or you never have, what if there is still something you were missing out on? What if there was just so much more of God's love that he has to pour into your life that not only impact your life, but begin to, begin to impact everyone around you? No matter how long you've known him, what if, 
What if there is something more that we're missing out on that we aren't experiencing? Because that's what we're going to talk about today. And like I said, I think sometimes we forget really just how deep the heart of Jesus really is. And once we can begin to see this heart of Jesus, we're going to talk about how that should compel us to live. So we're going to be in John chapter 13 today. And um, I've kind of, honestly, I didn't, I've always, I mean, I've kind of read, I mean, I've read it before, but I've really, like, studying it this week, I've kind of fallen in love with this chapter. Because there's so many, like, iconic scenes in this chapter. Um, This is where we get in the story where, um, Jesus is, is entering into his last night before he's going to be um, crucified and put on the cross. So he's entering into these intense moments and he's realizing, hey, these are going to be some of my last words to my disciples. These are going to be some of my last teachings to them before I go to the cross. So this is where we get the famous scene of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. This is where we get the scene um, where we meet the most infamous backstabbing sellouts in human history, Judas. And um, we're going to begin to kind of peek into Peter's story. And we're going to begin to look at um, what the differences are between both Peter, who we go to read on later, that does want to deny Jesus three times, and Judas. There's a key difference for us to look at um, and learn this morning. And so we're going to take a little bit of a different approach to these stories. We're going to kind of look at them from maybe a different lens than we might normally read them in. And we're going to see what, it, what is this heart of Jesus in these chapters? What is the full extent of his love? And here's why I think this is important for all of us, every single one of us in here this morning. Here's why I think this is so important for us to talk about. It's because for one, like I said, for one, I'm in this category too. Some of us just need to be reminded of what God thinks about you. Some of us just need to be reminded, where do I stand with God? What is this love he has for me? And secondly, we're going to talk about how when we can start taking on the serving love of Jesus, that it's really the secret to happiness. And that's what we all want, isn't it? Jesus, right? What is the love of Jesus? So what is this love of Jesus, right? What is the love of Jesus? Let's just jump in to the story. Let's get this party started. So you guys there on chapter 13, verse 1. If not, you can look up here, the words in red, if you want to read them with me. Um, here's what it says. It says, it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was in progress And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, have any of you guys ever washed someone's feet before? Not the most pretty job, right? Um, and it's not really a, like a normal practice for us to do. You know, if I invited you over to my house and you came over with your wife or with your family or with a friend or whatever, and why when you walk in, I'm like, please sit down. And I pull out a bucket, may I wash your feet? You'd be like, awkward, weird, honey, let's never come back here, right? It'd be, it'd be weird. And it's not really a normal practice. But for them, it, it was a normal practice, understandably. 
right? They were walking around in sandals all day, walking on dirt and roads that were made of dirt. Understandably, their feet would get a little bit dirty. And so it was actually common for um, the host of a party or a dinner um, to have someone else wash their guest's feet because that was, you know, too lowly of a task for the host to actually do. So for Jesus to actually do this, to kind of put in perspective for us, it'd be like if you went to, um, to dinner or to go hang out with your boss, right? The head honcho, like the top boss. And when you went over there um, to do whatever, to eat or to hang out, he goes, hey, I got to do something really quick. And he goes out and he starts washing your car. You'd be like, oh, this is pretty different. It's kind of weird, but cool. I know some of you guys are going right now like, there's no way my boss would ever do something like that. I'm right there with you. I understand. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Fast Scott, hashtag best boss ever. Um, but Jesus did this. And so there, there's a lot here in this passage. Uh, but remember, remember right now we're just trying to learn. What, what, what do we learn about the heart of Jesus in this encounter? All right, again, what is the full extent of his love? So when Jesus is washing off his disciples' feet, he gets to Peter, and Peter goes, no, Jesus, you're way too holy. You can't wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Peter says, then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. Um, you know, when I, when I read this, it, it makes me think, you know, some of, us, some of us have put our faith in Jesus, right? We've been saved, we're clean, we've been washed by the blood of Jesus, sacrifice for our, for our sins, but while in this life, you know, sin still has a way of, uh, of finding its way into our lives. But what we learn here is that Jesus doesn't run from us when our feet get dirty. Jesus doesn't run from us when we as Christians fall into sin, great or small. In fact, the love of Jesus is actually made known to us in our sin. That in our own mess, Right? In our mistakes, in our wrong choices, the humility of a perfect and holy, loving God actually chooses to step down into our mess. And you know, it took me, it took me a while to realize that once I accept Jesus, I don't just automatically become perfect. You know, and I think a lot of us, you know, we think God's just like, like up there mad that we're, when we get a little dirty sometimes. And, you know, if you've ever tried to see a baby walk, you know, when, when a baby is learning to walk, um, you know, if, if they fall one time, you don't go, honey, you've got another broken kid, get rid of this one, let's try to have another. It fell when it was trying to walk. Oh, you would never do that. You'd be crazy if you did that. All right, God views us in the same way. And some children learn to walk faster, and some it takes a little bit longer. And no doubt sin Sin does what it can to try and separate us from God. But just like a child, he realizes we're learning. 
Right? And like I said, maybe some of us are struggling with something. Maybe some of us get guilty because we feel like we're not being bold enough telling everyone about Jesus. Maybe we have regrets over um, even how we've parented or, or whatever. But here, here's, here's the point here, is that Jesus washes the feet of sinners. Right? If you've put your faith in Jesus, are you still, are you still turning him to wash your feet? Right? Or are you fearful that He's mad at you because your feet got dirty. The one who can actually wash us clean. Jesus washes the feet of sinners. So let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Judas and Peter. Because to me, this is a, this is a big one. Um, I, want us, I want us all to do something to this and start reading um, about Judas. I want, us, I want us all to do something. Um, I want you right now to... Think of someone who has someone who may, right? Think of someone who has maybe wronged you, who has hurt you, someone who maybe talked bad about you behind your back, someone maybe you thought was your friend, but they actually weren't your friend. And I want you to kind of just feel those emotions just for a second. And to think of that person just for a second. And I know, I know that's probably really a big thing to ask for some of you, because no doubt that person has hurt you. No doubt that person has maybe caused you feelings of rejection, maybe feelings of sadness, and understandably, feelings of anger. But I want you just to feel, just to feel those emotions of what that person did to you just for a second. Because in doing that, you're going to begin to kind of just for a, a partly feel of how Jesus felt here to be betrayed by one of his best friends, actually sold out to kill him. Right, none of you guys have been hurt that bad because you're all still here. But to know this is how Jesus felt for one of his best friends who sold him out behind his back. Here's what the story says. Jesus says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fill the passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus troubled in his spirit and testified. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. Jesus answered, is the one whom I give this peace. Oh, sorry, I may not get ahead of you guys. So anyways, Jesus says this, and um, his disciples are questioning amongst each other, going, who, they had, literally had no idea who it could be. You know, let that be a testament of itself that Judas, like no one expected it to be Judas. And so they start questioning amongst themselves, who could it be, who could it be? And John, the author, the author of what we're reading, leans next to Jesus, and he says, um, Jesus, you know, who is it? So Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. Um, And it goes on to say at the end, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. You know, Jesus knew um, Judas's heart here from the beginning. 
yet he did not reject him. The whole time Jesus knew what Judas was up to, yet he never rejected him. Think about that for a second. In fact, he even let Judas kind of in that he knew what was going on. He told the whole group, he said, one of you guys are going to reject me. He said, one of you is not clean. Giving Judas a chance to think and to reflect and maybe to repent and to come clean. And I imagine Jesus saying these things, looking Judas right in the eyes, he says this. As if to say, my old friend, my love is still here for you. And he continued to reach Judas, even, even in these last moments. He dipped the bread and he gave it to Judas. And this is why that's so important. Um, a scholar, Dr. Hughes, tells us that um, in that culture of that time, to take the morsel from the table, dip it in the common dish, and offer it to someone was often a gesture of special friendship. You know, Jesus was saying, Judas, here's my friendship. Here's restoration. Here's my love. Here's my heart. Take it. We know that Judas took the bread, but he did not take the offering Jesus was giving to him. And kind of overcome by evil in his heart, he was overturned by that, and he left, and he walked away from Jesus into the dark, forever walking away from the love of God. And you know why, why this story impacts me so much um, is this. I mean, have you guys ever gotten a fight with someone, and maybe it was a family member, maybe it was a friend, and you, and you say something, like in the heat of the moment, and right as it comes out, you're like, oh, shouldn't have said that. You guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe you get in a fight with your wife. As a husband, you say the unthinkable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I fight with my wife. Oh, yeah. I was lying about your meatloaf. I don't like it. My mom does make it better. <gasps> Take it back, she says. Maybe it's something a little more serious than that. I don't know. What could be more serious? That's the worst thing you could say. Well, I had one of those moments with God. I know. What's wrong with me? As a kid, uh, I grew up in church. I was baptized when I was 10. Uh, my dad's actually a pastor. He, growing up, he was a youth pastor. Tons of stories I remember um, as a kid growing up as a youth group pastor's kid. Um, like I said, I got baptized when I was 10. But through a series of just things going on in my life, by the time I got to high school, I really just started to walk away from my relationship with God. And that led to me just hanging out with wrong friends. And I started to make just some really poor choices with my life. And it got me mixed up into all kinds of trouble, eventually led me into just being engulfed in a lifestyle of drugs and partying and just all kinds of trouble. And I remember when I was 17, um, I kept getting caught by my parents in like really obscure ways. Like, how did you find that? How did you know that? And for me, as a dumb kid, I blamed God. I viewed it as like, oh, God's trying to like slow me down. He's trying to stop me, trying to get me to change. And um, it started actually making me angry. And I remember one time very specifically, I was 17, um, and I wasn't really praying at all very much at this point. And I was driving, and I remember I just kind of looked up and I started talking to God. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of these two things I said aren't you supposed to give me free will? I'm like, give me my free will. And then I said this. I said, why don't you just leave me alone? 
And even to just say that right now, it, it, it makes me almost sick and it makes me so sad to know that I said that to our Father. Knowing how much God loves me, how much that must have hurt him. To know that his hands were around my life and I just said, leave me alone. And just like Judas, I turned my back on God and God did. He, he, he turned me over to my choices and my life just like spiraled out of control at that point. And, um, you know, thankfully, thankfully it didn't take very long for me to realize that a life separated from Jesus is not a life worth living. I, I quickly came to my sense and be like, you know what, what am I doing out here? Like everywhere I looked, I just kept trying to find love in all the wrong places. And I came to, I came to the thinking, you know what, maybe, maybe I should try following God and just see what happens with my life. And God, who was patiently waiting on me, took my little punk self, and when I was finally ready, welcomed me with open arms. And in my daily pursuit of giving God, I mean, I fully surrendered my heart to God and decided to just give him everything. And it wasn't just a, you know, I'll pray when I need. It was a daily pursuit of him of going, I want to know what this love of God is like. I want to know how much I can be filled with this love. And in pursuing him every day, God just unleashed it on me. Me, who made all the wrong choices, who pretty much deliberately turned my back on God, he took me and he filled me with his spirit and it forever has changed me. Amen. You know, we read at the end of chapter 13 that right after Judas leaves, Jesus says some more words to his disciples, and then he goes to talk to Peter. And he goes, Peter, I mean, Jesus being so brokenhearted at this point, goes, Peter, you're going to deny me too. And we go and we're going to read in the, in the coming chapters that Peter does go on to deny him three times. But there's a very key difference between both Judas and Peter who both essentially deny Jesus. And here's the difference. Is that Judas didn't seek reconciliation. Peter did. And it was given to him. And in that, God gave his spirit to Peter. He was filled with God's love and it forever changed his life. You guys, the love of God is so vast. And I want to read you this quote um, just from this book really quick. Maybe you've heard of it, uh, The Ragamuffin Gospel. Anyone heard of it by any chance? Anyone? Um, awesome book. Awesome book. I haven't got to read through all of it. I've only read through um, just the first chapter. But I want, to, I want to read you guys this quote really quick. And when I read it, I want you guys to close your eyes. Because the imagery here, in my opinion, is so powerful giving us just a glimpse into to really what is the grace of God. And so the author here in this paragraph, he gives us an imagery of what it's going to look like on Judgment Day, standing there in the last day. And he says this. He says, because salvation is by grace through faith, I believe that among the countless number of people standing in the front of the throne and in front of the Lamb, dressed in white robes, holding palms in their hands, I shall see the prostitute from Kit Kat Ranch in Carson City, Nevada, who tearfully told me she could find no other employment to support her two-year-old son. I shall see the woman who had an abortion and is haunted by guilt and remorse, but did the best she could faced with grueling alternatives. The businessman besieged with debt, who sold his integrity in a series of desperate transactions. The insecure clergyman, addicted to being liked 
who never challenges people from the pulpit and longed for unconditional love. The sexually abused teen by his father and is now selling his body on the street, who as he falls asleep each night after his last um, encounter, whispers the name of an unknown God he learned about in Sunday school. The deathbed convert who for decades had his cake and ate it, broke every law of God and man, and wallowed in lust. But how, we ask, the voice says, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There they are, there we are. The multitude who so wanted to be faithful, who at times got defeated, soiled by life, bested by trials, wearing the bloodied garments of life's tribulations, but through it all, clung to faith. My friends, if this is not good news to you, you have never understood the gospel of grace. Man, that's so powerful. That's the love of Jesus. That's the love he has for me and for you. Friendship. He pursued Judas. Point here. Here's the point for this: is Jesus is offering you his friendship. He pursued Judas. He pursued Judas until the very end, and he's pursuing you. Right? What in your life right now are you choosing over Jesus? What in your life could possibly be worth sacrificing? Jesus is offering you. Experiencing the unleashing of God's love in your life. Jesus is offering you his friendship. So here's what I want to end with, and here, here's why I've been so compelled to just spend this much time with you guys, just talking just simply about the love of Jesus. It's because of this. Jesus says in verse 34, he says this. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, Jesus' hope for the church was that we would be so loving amongst each other and we would be so willing to serve each other that outsiders looking in would be like, I want to be a part of that community. Man, I, I want to be a part of that family. Jesus even goes on to say um, in verse 14, after washing the disciples' feet, he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. And you know, what I'm about to tell you may just be a result of me being a millennial. Um, I know sociologists say that we're supposed to be like the most optimistic generation. Apparently, we all think we can go out and, like, and change the world. Hoorah. Um, maybe that's the case we're about to say. Maybe it's not. I don't really care. Because I really think too often Christians have this pessimistic view of the world and have, and have the church. We just like to throw up our hands and go, ah, oh, culture is going down the drain. Ah, oh, the world is so messed up. Ah, oh, people are falling into sin everywhere. Maybe he's let the world crash and burn. Maybe that's a sign that Jesus is coming back. Maybe that's all true. Nothing in Scripture indicates that Jesus can't come back tomorrow. But what if it's not? Right, what if it's not? And what if God has something so big still in store for the church? Right, we have to believe that if God poured his spirit out onto the first century Christians to be filled with the Spirit of God, to go out and bring the gospel, the good news to the world that, hey, there's a God out there who loves you. There's a God out there who can forgive you of your sins and redeem you and give you a new life and connect you into what you were created for. If God was on the mission then to do that through the church, why would we think he stopped doing that today? And why would we think he doesn't want to do that through us? 
And maybe some of us need to just stop only thinking about God when we come to church and really start to pursue God with, with, with everything we have. Right? What would that look like? And if you're going, I have no idea what that would look like. I don't even know how to do that. Um, we teach here at Adventure that just spend the first 15 minutes of your day with him. Right? We teach Adventure just, just practice spending the first 15 minutes of your day with him. Spend a little time in worship, Spotify. Spend a little time um, going through John. Right? Read through this with us. Get ahead a little bit. Know how the story ends. And just spend some time talking with God and pray with him, getting to know who Jesus is. And here, here's the takeaway for us this morning. Here, here's, here's what I want us all to take away. I think it's, very, it's a very simple point. Right? Just, we got to love like Jesus loved. And how do we do this? How do we love like Jesus loved? We serve with the love of Jesus. Right? Jesus tells us to do this. And I, I love what Pastor Scott shared with us last week um, from the wise words of the great prophet, his wife. And um, <laughs> as she shared with us that, you know, hey, like we've all been there, including myself, if you want to stop being depressed or feeling depressed, go ahead and start thinking about yourself and put your mind on other people. And from not even a religious standpoint, like clinically proven uh, strategy for patients, even just doing the small things they say, just go help an old lady cross the street or go uh, bring in your trash cans for your neighbors and just do something for someone else and feel that little bit of reward and fulfillment of doing something for someone else. And I want, I want to do this for us. Um, I want to give us a challenge. And I know, who am I? 25-year-old kid. Almost 26, if that makes a difference. Um, I know I'm not Pastor Scott. Who am I to give you guys a challenge? But I want to, I want to give you guys a challenge. I give, our, I give challenges to our students all the time, and they rock it. And I think challenges are great, and this is a challenge for me too. But I want us to do this. You guys all, have, you guys all got um, one of these, your cards. Everyone have these. I know yours is probably filled with notes, and you probably have no room left. But if you have even a little bit of room, maybe on the bottom, I want, I want you to do this. I want, you, I want you to write on your card and answer this question. Right? How is God calling you to serve with the love of Jesus? How is God calling you to serve with the love of Jesus? Let me just kind of help you think through this a little bit. Right? Maybe, uh, maybe for you, God's put it on your heart maybe to reach out to someone who you know has been coming to the church, who knows has been here, and maybe you haven't seen him in a little while. Maybe you just need to simply reach out to him, give him a text, give him a call, go show up, and just let him know they're missed and they're loved. But I can tell you personally for me um, how much of a difference that made for me um, when, I, when I was kind of getting back into going to church. You know, maybe it is a coworker, a friend, a neighbor who God's been putting on your heart to be bold and just go talk to him and either invite him to church or just start a conversation Maybe it's actually starting to get involved here, right? Maybe like me, your teenage years were tough, and maybe now it's your time to give back and to serve and know you can make a difference in someone's life. And I can tell you right now, we would love to have you in our student ministry. Maybe you love kids and you love children, and, and it's time for you to maybe start serving in the children's ministry, right? Nothing sets a kid down the right course of life than the values that can instill in them as kids, 
Maybe it's just serving anywhere here at the church. We have so many opportunities, whether it's on the communion team, helping out with coffee, um, being a greeter, I mean, just, just doing anything to start changing your perspective of church. Hey, this is not a place I just go, but this is a place where I can go and be the church. Maybe it's as simple as just getting plugged into a group. 18 to 30, you can join our young adults group, get plugged into a small group, and just start seeing this as a church and start seeing this as a family. A family where you can be known and you can belong. And, and I promise you when, you, when you begin to humble yourself to be a foot washer, to serve others, it will change your life. It's the secret to happiness. You're going to begin to find a fulfillment and purpose to know that, hey, you're not only making a difference in other people, but you're embodying the love of Jesus. And when you embody the love of Jesus, man, you feel it. And it will change you forever. And I'm telling you, together, we can actually begin to overturn the stereotype of church that, hey, this is a place where you belong. Even so much as this is a place you can belong even before you even believe. But imagine that. Right? How is God calling you to serve with the love of Jesus? My prayer is that God would just put that on your heart. To know how much you are loved and that in that, we can go and be the love of Jesus. Um, and so all of our eyes closed and our heads bowed. Um, I'm sure there's maybe some of us, maybe one of us in here this morning who God has led here. And maybe like the place I've been in, like the place Judas was in, maybe right now your back is turned to God. Maybe you even believe in him but you, you don't have a relationship with him and you've never actually accepted him into your heart. And right now, Jesus is holding out the bread to you. Don't run from it like Judas did any longer. If there's anyone who for the first time wants to take that bread from Jesus, your heart. If you want to raise your hand and say, wait, Jesus, I'm here. And I want to accept you. Is there anyone this morning? Awesome. For anyone that wants to take that, let me just walk you through a prayer. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I ask that you forgive me and wash me. Jesus, I ask that you come into my heart. Lord, my prayer for everyone this morning, including myself, God, is that you just keep reminding us how much you love us. Lord, we can't mess up enough times for you to ever give up on us. Lord, let it change the way we see sin, that we don't just stay away from sin so that we can feel better about ourselves. But we fight with everything we have to grow closer to you because that's what fills you with your love and your spirit that not only impacts our life, but that's how we go and be used by you. That it's the power of your spirit in us that accomplishes everything for your glory. Change our perspective, God. Change the way we see church. Change the way we see our friends. Lord, give us your heart of love because <laughs> I can say that I, I can't do that without your heart, God. Thank you so much that you love us, Jesus. Praise in your name. Amen.